Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bath and Biscuits, the podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Rosino, and I am here to bring pet parents and pet professionals together to create a community of educated pet lovers. This topic is a big one. I was supposed to drop this episode a few weeks ago, but every time I went to record or edit, something happened and I was just unable to complete it or publish it. But in those couple weeks, I have literally gone down a rabbit hole and found out so much information. It is absolutely insane. This is most likely going to be a two-part episode. For the first part, I really just want to talk about the pet food industry in general, speaking on specifically dry kibble, reading the labels, and what what are the ingredients. And then for the second part, I want to talk more about the FDA's role in regulating pet food and then some issues that have come up with certain companies and how the FDA handles those things. So to start off, the Association of of American Food Control Officials, AFCO, and the FDA are responsible for allowable ingredients, labeling, nutrient standards, and food safety. However, AFCO is a voluntary organization and it doesn't have any actual authority when it comes to regulations in pet food. So they can kind of create these specific standards and the FDA has kind of followed along with it, but AFCO really has no say. It's the FDA that is supposed to be regulating the pet food companies. This is taken directly from the FDA's website. So when companies make drugs for dogs, they need to go through a pre-market review by the FDA before they could legally sell the product. During this process, the FDA evaluates the information submitted by the company to make sure the drug is safe and effective for its intended use and that the drug is properly manufactured, labeled, and packaged. But unlike drugs for dogs, food for animals does not need the FDA's pre-market review to be legally marketed. So even though there are these standards and these guidelines that pet food manufacturers are supposed to be following when creating their pet food, they're, they're, who's checking, right? Like if they're not going through this pre-market review, who is checking before they hit the shelves? Nobody. Just keep that in mind. I'm going to stop there for now, but just keep that in mind that food for animals does not need to go through an FDA's pre-market review. And that is directly from the FDA's website. Reading the labels. AFCO kind of has these standards for what you can say on the labels. Usually, every state is different, but there are state requirements for pet food as well. And so these state requirements, you need to kind of register with your state when you're making these foods. And they're supposed to be checking also the labels like they want to but again they're not actually testing and checking the food they're just checking the labels so whenever you're reading a label if you see a food that says chicken dinner it needs to contain at least 95 percent of chicken but if the label says dog food with chicken it only needs to contain at least three percent of chicken so that's like a marketing thing where they'll have with chicken or with beef, like whatever they say, like in nice big letters, and you you see it, and you think, oh wow, this is like a nice chicken food, or a nice chicken treat. It really only has to contain 3% of 
what they're saying it's made with. But if it's claiming to be chicken dinner, it has to be 95% chicken. When it comes to flavors, there's not an actual rule with how much percentage they need to make up in the ingredients. It just needs to be enough that it's detectable. So, for example, if you see something on the label that says beef flavor, it doesn't necessarily mean there's beef in the product. More often, it is some other type of ingredient that's giving that flavor, maybe like a beef byproduct or a beef meal, but not actual, just like beef. Flavors can also be known as digests, and that what digests are are materials treated with heat, enzymes, and acids to form concentrated natural flavors. So if you have a pet food claiming to have a certain flavor, like I said, like if it says beef flavor, there may not be any actual beef in the product. So keep that in mind, that even though something says that there's a flavor of something else, like what they're claiming doesn't even have to be in the product, okay? Terms like premium, holistic, and healthy are meaningless. AFCO allows pet food companies to include an unqualified claim that doesn't have to be backed by proof. So products that are labeled premium aren't required to contain any different or higher quality ingredients. Another thing that you are most likely going to see on every single ingredient list on dry kibble is byproducts or meat meal. So chicken meal, beef meal, chicken byproduct, whatever it is. So meal byproducts are materials from rendering plants and that can be like feathers, beaks, fecal waste, hair, ground bone grizzle tendons like anything like that so if you see meat meal or meat byproduct that is what they mean so what is exactly in the pet food what is the cooking process like you've might have heard of the four d's before that is dead diseased dying or disabled so those are animals that are allowed to be used in pet food the slaughter and the processing for animals for human consumption must follow health standards set up by government agencies. Meat inspectors will evaluate these meats and that will result in many carcasses that are not fit for human consumption. It is standard practice that the rejected material for humans to be used for pet food or it's even fed back to livestock. Meat inspectors for human food are looking for any signs of disease abscesses, tumors, abnormal organs, cancers, infections, and parasites. Anytime they see something that is not fit for human consumption, they're essentially going to throw it out, throw it in these buckets, and that food is going to be used for pet food. So even though it is not healthy, not safe for human food, they think it's good enough for our pets. Prevention Magazine published a letter from an insider that read, I once worked in a chicken butchering factory in Maine. On the conveyor line, there were USDA inspectors and their trimmers. The trimmers cut the damaged and diseased parts of the chickens and dropped them into garbage cans, which were emptied periodically. These parts were sent to a pet food factory. So, any part, like maybe it's not the whole carcass, but maybe there are parts that are damaged or diseased like this person just said those are going to get cut off 
the rest of the chicken or the rest of the meat is going to be used for human consumption and those diseased or damaged parts will be sent over for the pet food companies to use. That is disgusting. In the process of producing human food, some facilities may generate byproducts. So remember I just said byproducts could be beaks, feathers, all of that. This I got specifically from the FDA's website. So this is what the FDA is saying. So in the process of producing human food, some facilities may generate byproducts that can be used for animal food. Examples might include wheat middlings generated while processing wheat for flour, grain products from other grain processing operations, peels, rinds, pumice, pulp, coals, or other similar material generated from processing fruits or vegetables for human consumption, or human food such as potato chips, cookies, bread, pastry products, and pasta that is not adulterated and is safe for use in animal food, but it's not acceptable as human food for quality reasons. Potato chips, cookies, bread, pastry products, pasta. Not being used for human food, but gets sent over as byproducts to be used in animal food. And that is directly from the FDA's website. These materials will start to form bacteria known as endotoxins, which are substances that grow on food if not refrigerated, and these toxins can remain in the final product even after processing. When this material goes to rendering plants, it is being further processed. It's mixed with other discards at the plant that can include garbage from grocery stores, grease and spoiled food from restaurants, roadkill, sick farm animals that have died, and euthanized pets. All of that is then dumped into these huge containers and cooked at high temperatures for about 20 minutes to one hour. That material gets finely ground and that is what is known as meat meal. The high heat that is used in cooking pet food reduces the nutritional value of kibble. Proteins are also denatured during this process, which can lead to allergies. Cooking destroys the heat-sensitive vitamins, trace elements, and amino acids, deforms proteins and enzymes, and changes the molecular structure of fats. Other ingredients and other things that you may find in pet food are rancid or moldy grains that were rejected for human use, rice flour, brewer's rice, this is leftover from the manufacturing of beer, fiber, this can come from good sources, but it can also come from feathers or things like that, euthanized pets i'm going to get into this in part two as well but a study at the university of minnesota published a journal that said pentobarbital came through the rendering process and was still an active drug and this is a drug that is used in euthanizing animals there is actually a blog post about this on the fda's website i'm gonna link this but again i'm gonna go more into detail on it in the next part of this episode or not this particular episode, but in like part two of this series. Other things you'll find are antibiotics, growth promoting, growth promoting drugs and hormones, pesticides and insecticides, radiation, toxic heavy metals, some additives. A lot of the times they don't use like artificial flavorings or things like that, but you might see additives like food coloring to make the food more attractive to us as humans. BHA, BHT, and ethoxyquin are three preservatives that are commonly used in pet foods. BHA 
is a known carcinogen and a reproductive toxin. BHT is also a carcinogen and caused kidney and liver damage in rats. Ethoxyquin was first developed as an insecticide and a pesticide, but then they began using it in pet food. There have been reports of allergic reactions, skin problems, major organ failure, behavior problems, and cancer. Propylene glycol, this was mostly used in wet foods, and it is the second cousin to antifreeze. TBHQ, this is linked to cancer and damage of a cell's DNA. Some other things to keep in mind is the top 10 allergens for dogs are beef, dairy, wheat, eggs, chicken, lamb, soy, pork, rabbit, and fish. The top plant allergies are soy and wheat. Soy is highly processed and it's GMO, and wheat is likely to come from moldy, stale, infested, or low-nutrient discards. Wheat is generally the leading cause of allergies in dogs. So just keep that in mind if you have a dog that has any type of allergies. Check maybe if it's related to wheat. Other ingredients you'll find are corn syrup, which adds sweetness, but it leads to obesity, diabetes, and mood changes. Cellulose, plant or wood fibers that cannot be digested, so think sawdust. This also binds food. Sodium tripolyphosphate, STTP. This is a water softener, and it's also used in laundry detergent, fungicides, rodenticides, and insecticides. And then you have fillers, which are literally just put in the product to fill it up add more unnecessary ingredients. So you have barley, oatmeal, white rice, soy, wheat, corn, corn gluten, soybean oil, heavy grains, and flour. So as you can see, there's a lot of unhealthy ingredients going into dry kibble. Mix those dry ingredients on top of the really high temperatures that they're being cooked at, which any nutritional value that was in it to begin with is now completely lowered because of the high heat that the kibble is being cooked at. It's really just not the healthiest option for us to feed our pets. I read a book on pet food and things like that, and there was a quote in there that said, there is no doubt that commercial pet foods sustain life. Dogs, cats, and other animals live for years on foods that come out of bags, cans, and boxes. But do these foods promote health? If they did, our companion animals would enjoy long, happy lives, free of arthritis, hip dysplasia, eye problems, ear problems, fleas and other parasites, gum disease, lick granulolas, thyroid imbalances, skin and coat problems, personality disorders, birth defects, diabetes, cancer, and other major illnesses. So I just want to leave you with that quote for this episode, and I'm going to do a part two that is going to be more in depth of the FDA's role and things like that. So make sure you check that out. 